introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches it this. to Mo oh, Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. And eventually we'll have the full crew here. And no, it's not Yinka who's late this time. QB1 got some stuff going on. He'll be with us in just a little bit. But we're going to jump right in. We're going to get this thing going. Miles, my man, how you doing? How you been? What's up? I'm doing good, man. Just been busy. Oh, been busy, been busy. So what's been going on? Anything that we need to talk about? Any news you wanted to, you know, go into? Little, you know, announcement, maybe anything going on in your life, anything keeping you going, keeping you busy, keeping you running around. What's going on, my man? Yeah, well, I'm going to share it on the timeline, but uh, my wife's pregnant. So we're, uh, we're excited to to share that news and we're excited to, to like, you know, start start our family up. Peace oh, boy, man. Big things, big things. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited for you. Is uh is, so has Prince put in his bid to be the uh, the the Godfather yet or twice now twice yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I don't know like just even trying to imagine Prince like holding a child is just my brain won't do it right now I feel like he would, <laughs> I don't even know if he'd be able to do it like, you guys are talking it. you guys are talking to the one dude who I mean I know you can't see it but. <clears throat> I love kids and kids love me. So I just become a jungle gym every time I, uh, I get around some kids. They just climb up my back and my arms and shoulders and stuff. So oh, no. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying my mind won't allow those things to come together. Like it just doesn't right now. The idea yeah. of you with kids just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I understand that sentiment, but you know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. All right. So, uh, so Prince, any, any, uh, any, any baby announcements? Anything going on? You know, you know, my, <laughs> any, any, anything you want to let the people know well, before we get this thing going? I'm just gonna say that <clears throat> you guys will find out as soon as I find out. So okay, all right, we're all, we're all gonna be surprised at some point. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll all find out together, I guess. <laughs> all right, <laughs> well, let's jump right in because uh, yeah, we took a little bit of time off, so sorry, y'all. Just schedules didn't work up there over the uh, over the Thanksgiving break, and uh. A lots, lots happened. Lots going on around the NFL. So let's jump into one of the stories that is uh, is making news right now, and uh, we don't have to spend too much time on it. But you know, it's happening. I want to get your takes on it. So, uh, Miles, Ruben Foster, Washington, what's going on there? Doug Williams. I mean, he came out with a statement that people were like, "Huh." And then the next day, he basically just came out, doubled down on that joint, and kept it moving. Like, what are your thoughts on everything that's going on, um, you know, with the team in Washington and how they're handling the situation with Ruben Foster uh, getting released after yet another allegation of domestic violence? Yeah, I mean, this just tells you everything you kind of need to know about the player. I mean, we knew there was question marks going into it with Ruben Foster going into the NFL, coming out of college. Um, looks like he got falsely accused previously earlier in the summer, I think it was. Um, but it, it had to have been bad enough this time. It had to there had to have been enough evidence at this point or something 
for the 49ers just to let him go this early in his in his contract and this early in everything um without i mean i i don't i don't know the full story of what happened but i know he got arrested um but it sounds like they just they weren't ready to put up with anything with uh <clears throat> with Ruben Foster off the field so um no matter what it was it sounded like they were re- ready to get rid of him so um i mean i think it was a good move by them but then washington i mean man <laughs> they I will give them this credit. So we know in the NFL, the NFL doesn't care about players off field issues. If they're good enough players on the field, they've it's like, it's basically known. Like we know this is the truth. Like it, they've shown time and time again, this is how they operate. And at least, uh, what's the guy's name, Jason? I just blanked. Uh, Doug Williams, Doug Williams. I mean, at least he's being honest about it, right? Like, I mean, that's I guess the only credit credit I would give him is the fact that he's just there's the honesty that he's like, yeah, I mean, he's a terrible human being. Ruben Foster, you know, he he could he's he's basically said whatever he wanted, and it was just like, yeah, we know, but so we my, don't care. We're just gonna go forward. Anyways. It's really similar, Miles. It, it, that's a good point. It's really similar to, I mean, I hate to bring it to politics and stuff, but it's. It's kind of like what we're seeing in America right now. Um, you know, a lot of politicians in the past have kind of hide, hidden hidden behind, um, you know, c- certain terms and stuff that you kind of knew had some tie- ties and some ism, whether it be racism, sexism, classism. You knew that they were hiding behind these things. And here comes a guy like, you know, Donald Trump, who really just says what's on his mind. Really just says like, hey, this is what we're all thinking. This is how I think. Um, you know, if you have a problem with it, then... Like, I mean, you're going to have to deal with that on your own side. So, like, yeah, it's it's a level of you have a person who is able to just voice. I mean, it's wrong, obviously. We disagree with it. But there's someone who's willing to not really pretend as if they're they're down with the cause and just say, oh, no, I, I don't care. I, I literally don't care about these. And so, 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 Prince, you just you just said something that I, that I find a little bit interesting. And I guess, you know, we're, we're jumping right into the pool on this thing here. And, and again, I don't want it to derail too much because we got a lot to cover and not too much time. But you just said something where you said, um, you know, we know it's wrong. Um, I guess I guess the thing is, does anyone care? Because like we'll we'll point out and whatever whatever anytime something like this happens where you know someone does something you know terrible or or whatever it might be in the NFL, everyone will take to Twitter and there'll be a day of oh my god I can't believe they did whatever that thing was, but the next day we're on to the next thing and by Sunday we're watching the games like nothing ever happened and you know let's say you know Washington does whatever sham investigation teams do when these things kind of happen and. You know, they magically clear Ruben Foster or something. For a couple of games, it'll be a footnote. But, like, do we yeah, actually it won't, it won't care? Matter if I, I, I feel like we, we pretend that we care about these things, but I don't think we actually do, mm-hmm. so long as it doesn't get in the way of, you know, the football. Well, look at look at Joe Mixon. Look at Tyreek Hill. Look at Ben Roethlisberger. Look at all of these situations that these guys, these, that pro athletes in general have gone through we don't talk about that stuff for those players now because they produce on the field. So people don't care. Yeah. Can I, <clears throat> to address your, that um, question, Jason, I think the best thing that I can do is kind of address uh, something that Dave Chappelle talked about last year. 
or even yeah last year um he talks about how we live in the 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 generation of the age of spin how there's just so much content that we have going to to us that honestly we can get upset about something but we don't even have time to really truly get angry about it stay in our feelings on it really discuss it and before something else comes out that angers us just as more if not worse um so it is a level of yeah we do care about it and it's not that you know obviously the next time next day we're not talking about it it's like you know we're on to something else because like again that's that's what the age of social media ha brings to us 24 7 news cycles bring to us something is happening every single minute of the day where it's like you could literally just uh spend all day angry at stuff you know and and, and most people do when you uh you most people do yeah exactly people do. and There's i guess yeah just to, to, to move off this because again i feel this is one of those topics and and things that kind of ideas more so than just like the the ruben foster situation that we could talk about for uh for an extended period of time and i feel like over the years we probably have talked and touched on these sorts of topics uh at many different points in time but um whoever's handling pr for washington just needs to uh they, they need to get paid more money because uh, between you know Ruben Foster and, and 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 AP over the last couple of weeks here they've been uh, they have been putting in that work. Uh, someone needs to take AP's phone away from him because uh, man, that man loves to be yelled at. But anyway, let's keep this thing moving. Let's move it on, uh, move it along here, and talk about another story that made news um, for a different reason. Something that's not nearly as serious as what's going on with Ruben Foster and those allegations, but something that came up nonetheless. Um, because it started a lot of different conversations um, that, that I saw across media platforms about, you know, kind of who's allowed to say what about when and who's entitled to do what when and things like that. And so the situation that came up was Baker Mayfield, um, you know, giving Hugh Jackson the cold shoulder, which, you know, whatever, that's, you know, he was his coach. He didn't play him. He went somewhere else. Baker's, you know, a competitor. But then he kind of went on after the fact to, explain the reason that he gave Hugh Jackson the cold shoulder being that, you know, Hugh Jackson was, you know, in Cleveland trying to get them to buy into his messaging. And then when you know, Hugh Jackson was fired, Hugh Jackson basically went to a division of opponents and started working there. And Baker Mayfield didn't think that that was cool. So obviously that was a, a big talking point. Um, you know, that, that game was full of many a petty and, and, and hilarious moment, but this ended up being the thing that kind of, you know, you know, ran, people ran with after the fact miles from your perspective, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you played, you know, college sports, you're a very competitive dude. What are your thoughts on kind of Baker's perspective in all this and, and kind of how he handled things, um, with this Hugh Jackson situation after the game? Yeah, I, so I'll start with the fact that I don't mind Baker being having whether whatever kind of vendetta he has against Hugh Jackson for the simple fact that we don't know how things were behind the scenes with with Baker and Hugh. We don't know how the, all the all that and how how everything was handled there in terms of you know Baker wasn't the starter day one or uh, week one I should say. Uh, Baker played well in the preseason, so there could have been in some of that. You know, maybe he felt that he or he was holding him back. Um, my, I guess, my only issue was his his reasoning. Outside of that, was he didn't like after Hugh got fired. Nonetheless, that he was he was going to a division rival. That I guess that's where my like disconnect with with Baker here is is like 
I mean, why does it matter? It's the business. And I think, and I, I, uh, I think they touched on it on, I can't remember where I saw it, but someone touched on it. Uh, maybe Stephen A. Smith and Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders. That's where, that's where it was. Um, I think it was on like first take or whatever it was. He mentioned just Baker still being in that college mindset that he, he doesn't view it as a business yet because it's for him, it's not quite that because he's still so early in his career as a rookie. Um, he's still young. So he's, he's still kind of feeling that out in terms of that process and, and watching a coach leave or get fired from his, from his team and go to a, the same division rival because with, with that, like <laughs> that's going to happen where I think Baker's misunderstanding is that that happens all the time in places like the NFL or across businesses in general. And one thing I think Baker is going to understand down the road is that it's going to come back to him at some point that he's going to have to f- understand that it is a business. And, and for him that like he, he left Oklahoma or he left Texas tech in college and went to a conference rival. If what, if you want to call them a rival, whatever, but a conference, um, in the same conference as going when he went to Oklahoma. So I, I kind of think it's funny that that's his rationale. Not that he, like I said, he can have all these feelings he wants. I totally like that's on him. He, he has his personal things with, with Hugh that, you know, I don't disagree with him on that. I guess I, I just disagree with him on how he views the whole Hugh situation right now or his rationale behind it. So I don't know. You guys can piggyback off of that, but um, I just feel like there's some hip- hypocrisy on his end. Because he did it in college, but I mean, whatever. He was 18, 19 years old. Like, I, I didn't hold it against him for doing that. I just think it's funny that he holds it against Hugh Jackson for doing it in the NFL after getting fired, nonetheless. Oh, boy. I like it. Miles coming out, coming out hot. Prince, what are your thoughts? Baker, Hugh, does he have a point? Do you agree, disagree? Where are you at with the whole thing? You know, I, I, I'm I'm kind of with Miles in which I, I think Baker, if he wants to express what he's going to express, he should be able to do that. Um, you know, but I think at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, we don't know necessarily. I think my first initial thought is just like, man, it's, you know, it's a little immature for Baker to treat a co- his former coach like that, all that stuff. But then I'm just like, yo, you know, I've been personally in a situation with a previous boss or whatever. And I know how it felt to like, I don't want to shake your hand. I don't ever want to see you again. I mean, we are not cool on in any kind of circumstance. So there's another part of me that sympathizes if that's, that was the, if there was some level of toxicity, toxicity with that relationship. So, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm also on the lines of just like, you know, if you have your grievances, you know, handle, handle it like, you know, two grown adults. And you know, obviously just talk it out. You know, I didn't I didn't appreciate the way that you handled things. I thought I was gonna be the starter. I thought I played the best. And then just go from there. And but you know, I, I'm I'm with Miles where I'm not really a huge fan of other people um kind of getting upset at others, you know, trying to make money. I mean, this is a business nonetheless. Um sometimes with coaches, you know, there's not much of a meritocracy, but even so, I mean, we don't there's some coaches that aren't in the league anymore. Um so, I mean, Hugh needs to do whatever he has to do to, you know, to make money, feed his family and stuff. And I don't think Baker should have an issue with it. All right. Well, I yeah, am. I'm inclined to uh, to agree with y'all on that one there that, you know, you know, I, I actually I really don't like as much as people made of this. I really don't feel like anyone was like wrong in like a big kind of way on this one, because 
yeah, Baker's entitled to feel how he feels. And, you know, he had a platform. He let people know how he, feel, um, how he felt about it. And that's something that Baker is going to do. I think as he, you know, does mature in the league, maybe on, on you know, issues of other grown folks' money, uh, maybe he won't speak up as much. But it was his, it's his place to do so. And, and I'm with y'all on the fact that, you know, he was a right to make a living. So, you know, he got fired from one place. He got hired another place. It's not like he'd be like, well, let me not go work here because I might hurt the feelings of the people who just fired me. It's, you know, I'm going to go get this money where I can get this money. So it's one of those things where I think it was, uh, it was an interesting talker. Um, it was It was fun to see kind of, uh where people kind of you know landed on these things and 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 how they justified you know their 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 points of view but ultimately i think it was such a a heated conversation because really both sides of of the debate both sides of the conversation really had valid points of view it was just a matter of how maybe things were expressed but uh you know let's get this thing moving along let's talk about some of the vikings news some of the things that are that are that are happening in viking land and obviously we didn't have a show over thanksgiving so we didn't do a preview of the uh the packers game but uh, you know that game has happened. Um, you know the Packers stink. I think that's. Uh, I think we can say that now. We can say that definitively. The Packers are not good. And uh, yeah, I guess you know we'll start with the with the local boys on this one here, Saxy Prince. I know that you know for for those of you you know in Minnesota, uh, and I guess Minnesota the state, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, I guess for you guys, it was just a great weekend all around with everything that happened in college football and, and the NFL. Um, I guess help me uh, understand kind of how it all played out for you in terms of, you know, the Packers game and what that meant just because of the rivalry versus the fact that, you know, we beat the Packers doesn't really mean that we've beat a good team yet this year as the Vikings because the, the Packers, the Packers stink. Yeah. I mean, that rivalry will forever be there. Uh, you know, we have, <laughs> we do have younger brother syndrome here when it comes to the Packers, they've had two starting quarterbacks. Um, and both have made their staple in the league in some way or another, and we've just kind of been on the losing end for a good majority of that. You know, basically after Randy left, the organization has kind of limped on since. <clears throat> so, I mean, just the, anytime we beat the Packers, I know it's just like it's just an, an energetic thing for the fan base, even though it, I think they can admit Packers' defense isn't the greatest. But, they, I mean, they still have the best quarterback in football. Um, and then with that, you know, you have like the Gophers, obviously, who, you know, beat Wisconsin. That hasn't happened in years. We haven't had the axe here in 15 years, as well as um, that's like the first time since I believe 1993 that we beat Wisconsin in Madison to get the axe back. So, again, there's a lot of perpetual younger brother syndrome where it's like we've just been beaten so much by Wisconsin teams. So, it just energizes the fan base and energizes the state just because we would like to see this, this, uh, you know, us being able to grow up from being the younger brother and being able to kind of hang uh, on the field with, with both these Wisconsin teams. Yeah, that makes some sense. And I guess miles from your perspective now, okay. Understand kind of the rivalry bit of it and why it's a big deal, you know, locally, but what do you take kind of out of that Packers game? I guess first, give me your, your kind of overall you know, take recap thoughts on, on the game, but then, you know, when you take a step back from the emotion and do look to see that, you know, that is a not good team that we, we, we beat there. How does that kind of weigh into your evaluation of what the Vikings are or aren't as we move forward with things? Yeah. To, to start to recap the game, I think, uh, I thought it was the best, arguably the best game the Vikings have played top to bottom in terms of all three phases of the game not including the two missed field goals. <laughs> I mean, those ended up 
I mean, they ended up becoming a factor at the very, very end because the final score was seven points instead of, you know, 10 or 13, you know, but I think the one missed field goal wasn't on Dan Bailey. It was, he got pushed from a 51 yard field goal, which he had originally made. I'm not going to go down this whole, you know, hole, but uh false start um, ends up missing the next kick. But um, otherwise I thought the, the rest of the, the phases, all three phases, the team played ex- exceptionally well. Um, they, they got really good pressure. They, you can tell that this team and Mike Zimmer has studied how to play Aaron Rodgers over, you know, over his course of um, being the head coach of the Vikings because of the way they rushed Rodgers. They only used four, but you could see even on, I think, a Daniel Hunter sack or, or even just a tackle for our tackle or whatever it was on Aaron Rodgers, he, he looked like he was going to rush up field and open up a lane, a running lane for Aaron Rodgers, but he stopped. He kind of like baited Aaron Rodgers into running up that into that lane and tackled him. What you know, like I said, I don't can't remember if it was for a sack or a tackle or whatever it was. Um, but still, like it was just one of those you can tell that how they've been preparing and understanding how Rodgers likes to move around and and create, they're taking that stuff away. So I think that was really big. And then um <clears throat> I thought this was probably Kirk Cousins' best overall game. I thought the game plan was probably the best we've seen from John Filippo all season, uh, and he used it to his advantage in how to use guys like Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, even getting Kyle Rudolph involved. Um, you saw all phases on offense, for the most part, be successful. We know the running game wasn't – it still isn't quite there, but, I mean – He's still he's still using they still use a run game effectively enough to to help them out when they needed it um, and creatively enough like you saw some sweeps to dig stuff like that to help loosen things up um, so that from that perspective of things I thought it was a really good game like to your point Jason uh, that they're not very good uh, but still I mean being being able to beat a team an Aaron Rodgers led team uh, no matter what the circumstance is is always big. Because that game right there was a it was a determining factor for this team moving forward. Because if you lose that game, you're behind the eight ball significantly. So it was really nice and refreshing to see this team come out and perform at a high level on a high uh, you know on a <clears throat> national level you know on Sunday Night Football to do it. I know they were at home, but still they they came to play, and that was really exciting to see. And hopefully that continues the trend. Um, and then. T- to the point of the the rivalry aspect of things, I mean, like like you guys said, we live in Prince and I live in Minnesota. I work with a lot of Packer fans. We're around a lot of Wisconsin fans in general. So just just anytime we have a chance to beat them, it's it's just always refreshing for us and just gives us that like. I think in Minnesota sports, we're starting to get to that point where we're catching them a little bit. You know, I like to Prince's point, we're not. You know, there's we're that like technically that little brother still or whatever because they have the Super Bowls, they have some of the acumen, but we're getting. I think we're getting to that point where we're top to bottom um, for some some of our sports. We're getting to that point, especially in football. I think we're finally starting to catch them. I mean, even when they have Aaron Rodgers, I still think this team is, um, you know, what a three three zero and one over the last two years, and I think they, uh, what was it, four four one. Four one and one in the last three years, or if that however that math adds up, but they've done really well against the Packers over the last three, few seasons. So it's it's refreshing for that. Yeah, no doubt. We definitely. Uh, I think at this point, it's it's clear to say like the Vikings are a better overall 
football team than the Green Bay Packers. The only thing that really at any point would make anyone think the Green Bay Packers would have a chance is the fact that they had Aaron Rodgers. And uh, to your point, uh, Mike Zimmer was brought in in, in many ways to uh, to neutralize uh, Aaron Rodgers and has uh, has figured out how to do so uh, fairly well. But before we move any further, we have breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, breaking news. QB1 has joined the podcast. JR, my man, how you doing? Good, man. How y'all guys doing tonight? Man, we're doing all right. You know, so I know that, uh, you know, we're talking about football and, you know, things that we like to pretend are important here and there. But we already had Miles go through, talk about some things going on with him. And uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, give you an opportunity to let us know what's going on in the life of QB1 because, uh, you know, all over social media, we saw some news, my man. What is going on with you? And uh, why are you feeling like Kobe? <laughs> yeah. So me and the wife are expecting two little twins next June. Uh, we're starting our own little football team, so we're excited about that. Oh, my goodness. JR and Miles, you're rolling at the same time, but JR decided he would not be outdone, had to come through with the twins. Yeah. yeah. JR's going to have what a QB, this? and then he's going to have corners, so he's going to have the two most expensive <laughs> Players right away, man. I keep telling y'all, you better give them children a basketball. Yeah, my kid will play baseball. Yeah, get them, get them, them guaranteed contracts. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, when yours do? I'm, I forgot to ask. Uh, the second week of June. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Miles? June June 9th. June 9th for us. Miles, for us. oh boy, oh boy, the next the next competition has begun. oh man love it love it love it well all right jr we got you here so it's gonna put you to work right away man coming out of things here from the perspective of a vikings fan who is not i guess as uh personally attached to the you know interstate rivalry what are your thoughts coming out of the packers game uh how did you feel about how the team performed what are your thoughts on kind of how we use this game uh, to project what the team is going to be for the uh, for the remainder of the season. It was really encouraging, and especially after it got off to a rough start, especially offensively. You know, the first two drives, they went three and out. But after that, John DeFilippo started opening up the offense a little bit, and he started running it through Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs, which is what we wanted to see from the start. And he mixed a little bit of Adam Thielen in there as well. So he got his playmakers the ball, and that's what you want to see from Kirk Cousins. I thought he was very efficient. He took what the defense gave him, and the most encouraging part about the entire game was that he didn't really force anything outside of the throw and the double coverage to Adam Thielen, which he made a miraculous catch. But other than that, he was just getting the ball in the playmaker's hands and letting those guys play and make plays, which is what you want to see out of Kirk Cousins. That's when he's at his best, when he's in that point guard role and what I like to call the Rajon Rondo role. And he's just out there distributing the ball and letting those guys make plays and that's what he was brought here to do. And that's not necessarily a knock against him because he's not a guy that you're going to build an offense around where he's a catalyst, but you want him to be that final piece of the puzzle. And that's where he was here with his offense. You already have playmakers that we alluded to earlier and Dalvin Cook and the two top receivers and Diggs and Thielen. So he was just distributing the, the ball to those guys. And even Kyle Rudolph got in on some occasions as well. So it was really encouraging to see the offense open up a bit and I thought this was one of the better games from them from an efficiency standpoint and from a game plan standpoint. I thought they were very efficient 
in a lot of different areas. It was nice to see them incorporate and have some success with the running game as well. Defensively, I thought they played really well. Um, they got off to a bit of a rough start. Devontae Adams had his way with the Xavier Rose, but he started to calm down. And I thought they did a really good job of getting home with just four. They didn't really blitz Rodgers a bunch. They showed blitzes. I know Mike Zimmer brought up that he didn't really want to blitz Rodgers. He just wanted him wanted to sit back and play coverage against him because when you do blitz him, that's when he is at his best because he can pick and choose where he wants to go, especially when you're playing man coverage against him. Uh, I thought Mike Zimmer did a really good job of mixing in his different looks as well. I know we saw a really funky look where he lined up Harrison Smith right over the center, and then he had Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr in the A-gaps, but they didn't really blitz at all from that look. Just switching up those looks and giving Aaron Rodgers a variety of different looks, I thought Mike Zimmer did a hell of a job with that. And that's what you want to do against a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers caliber. You want to switch up the looks as much as possible so he can't pick and choose where he wants to go with the ball. But overall, I thought this was a very encouraging win, especially with two big games coming up, starting off with the Patriots this week and then leading up to the Seattle game as well. Yeah. And, and one of the things and I know Prince has, has had this take uh, on a couple of occasions as well, but um. Um, you know, there have been times throughout the season where we've talked about maybe the Vikings having a lack of uh, identity on on offense or a, you know, yeah, yeah, just lack of identity. They're putting up stats, but like you really don't know, like, you know, who the dogs are on offense, who the leaders are. And, um, you know, it was nice, I think, for them to like Prince has always said, like you know, the, the offense seems to run better when they get digs going early. But, you know, digs, Dalvin kind of coming out um, and, and you know, kind of being that spark and and being the engine through which the the offense ran kind of earlier in the game um really seemed and digs being obviously used a little bit further downfield than he had been previously as miles said dalvin back being you know allowing dalvin to be the one who catches some of those swings and, and passes short um closer to the, the line of scrimmage um i really think uh hopefully will will we'll be some more of what the uh, the identity of this offense as, as we, as we start things off. And then obviously as time goes along, you know, you know, Thielen still gets his, you know, Rudolph was able to get involved in this game, but really having those guys who seem to be more of maybe the fiery personalities, the guys that maybe get everyone else going on the team involved early seem to have a really positive impact on kind of how the team played and, and where the team was from an emotional standpoint as the game rolled along. Yeah. And I agree with every single point that you made, but the most encouraging part from this game was, seeing them generate explosive plays. And I know we talked about this on a few previous episodes that that's where the Vikings really lacked. They had a dink and dunk offense, but they really didn't have those plays where you were just like, man, they just go over the top and they go for like a 60 or 70 yard touchdown. They didn't do that in this game either, but you saw them having 40 yard touchdown. I believe Dalvin Cooks was like 30 or 35 yards. So just seeing them generate some type of explosive plays and not just always depending on putting 10 to 12 play drives together in hopes of getting field goals or ending up in touchdowns, just generating those explosive plays and ending with touchdowns. That was very encouraging. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, this game is, is ended and we're, we're about to get into a stretch that is, uh, is, is, I guess we'll say it's, it's an important one of the season to really determine what kind of team we have here with the, uh, with, with our Vikings. Uh, JR, are the Vikings about to go on a run? I think they can, and I think this game could really start that run. Green Bay was a great win, but we know they're a bit down this year. But we're playing a really tough opponent this week, and whenever Tom Brady, whenever you're playing against Tom Brady, it's always going to be a tough matchup. So 
if they can go on the road and somehow find a way to win this game, I think it's going to be a huge confidence booster down the stretch. And just looking at the Bears' schedule, they might drop one to the Giants, considering that Trubisky is not playing this week. They have to play the Rams and the Packers in consecutive weeks. So that one-and-a-half game lead could suddenly shrink, and we could be looking at the Week 17 showdown for the NFC North. But the Vikings got to take care of business these next few weeks. Okay, and yeah, and, and it's one of those things that feels weird to say because, like you're talking, like you're saying, it's uh, you know a matchup against you know the Patriots and and kind of that history and and Belichick and and Brady and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't know. As I start to think about you know how we match up going into this game, I I, I feel con- I guess I feel more confident in the games where we're going in where we play a less than stellar defense, but maybe a good offense because I feel like our our defense generally speaking, should be able to slow down the offenses that we go against. Um, and especially in the terms of, of, of the Patriots, um, where we might be a little weak in the secondary, it's like not like the Patriots are super duper strong. Um, and But the Patriots aren't great defensively, which I think you know plays well to what we want to do on the team and the, and the number of weapons that the Vikings have. And so, I don't know, going into this game, I feel strangely, I, I hate to say confident because that doesn't feel right as a Vikings fan going into a game, you know, against the Patriots, but I, I feel confident about us matching up in this game. And, you know, especially when the line was released, I would, I would definitely you know, feel comfortable putting money on the Vikings based on that. Um, that just, yeah. Cause I feel like this is a, a game that matches up nicely with what the Vikings are going to want to do defensively. And, and our offense should be able to, to score points against this team. Uh, Miles, as we get into it and, and you start to look at this game, I guess from a, the perspective of the Vikings, uh, yeah, what are the big things? What are the big areas that you expect the Vikings to really go in this game looking to exploit to uh, to give them, you know, the advantage versus the other uh, Patriots on on offense? Yeah, I think on offense they want to be able to. They've said they've said all along that they want to continue to establish the run. I think if they can find ways to to do that in space, you know, some of the zone runs which we haven't seen from this offensive line and the the play calling, instead of trying to do this smash mouth football. Get and we've seen Pat Elfline, we've seen Brian O'Neill. Um, some of these guys work well in space. Get these offensive linemen out in space and let them run. If they want to run the ball, get them out in space and do it with Dalvin Cook. Um, I think the continued jet sweeps and all that are, are great ideas. But I think just in general, keep it continue to spread teams out the way they did against Green Bay, so that you can you can give Kirk easier reads, you can give Kirk quicker decisions. I think. Uh, just in general, helping the pass rush out because um, the Patriots find ways to exploit things and they're going to find that the one key area on our offense that they're going to try to exploit, which we know right now is the offensive line, but more more likely the interior with um, Tom Compton, but more so like Mike Remmers might be that guy that they pinpoint as their like weak link that they're going to try to exploit on the interior. Um, so just trying to, trying to find ways to make sure that – that you you can help um, combat that as well as make sure that you're uh, they're going to try to double you know Adam Thielen and potentially Stephon Diggs. We we know he's been out the last two days of practice, but he says he's going to play. We'll see tomorrow based off his uh, how his uh, output is in practice. But um, they're going to try to double both those guys or take them away. We you need somebody to step up like it. That third option needs to step up. Last week we saw it be a combination of Dalva Cook and Kyle Rudolph, which I think ideally would be the situation you'd, you'd prefer. But you're going to need um, some guys to step up and make some plays again this week. 
hopefully that is a Kyle Rudolph, you know, Dalvin Cook in the past game. But I, another receiver, Aldrick Robinson, Laquan Treadwell, somebody to step up. I mean, if Brandon Zoster gets reps, well, who knows? Um, um, but uh, we know Chad Beebe is likely out, which is unfortunate because I think he would have been perfect for a game like this and how their offense is trending. Um, defensively, uh, I think the Patriots are really just going to try to get us out in space, and they're, I think they're going to try to exploit us with like a with Rob Gronkowski by moving him around, and then I think they're going to try to attack uh, Mackenzie Alexander on the uh, in the nickel. Uh, be, oh, actually, I take that back. If Xavier Rhodes is out, they're going to try to exploit Holton Hill and get him isolated on guys like Josh Gordon and uh, Julian Edelman. So we'll see how that works out. All right. Okay. Oh, and James oh. against oh, our yeah. linebackers because we've seen James White um, yeah. light up yeah. linebackers. Yeah, that, that that that's no fun. So, Saxy Prince, as you as you look at this game from a, a defensive perspective, um, you know Miles kind of laid out some problems there, some challenges that you know the Patriots might be able to to put out there for us that'll be difficult for us to solve. Uh, defensively, how are you attacking this Patriots team to 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 smother them largely in the way that you know the Vikings were able to do against the Green Bay Packers? Well, it's tough because uh, the thing about the Patriots, I mean, it starts up front, right? And the thing about their interior is they have the <clears throat> they have top ten players at their positions on their interior. You know, both left guard, right guard, and then uh, their center are playing some fantastic football right now. So you know, you would want to be able to attack them with like Linval or Sheldon Richardson. I think that was something that was working really well well against the Packers. But you know, the issue becomes with uh, with players like that. You know, you have to come up with something a little bit more unique. Um, I, I definitely could see this being an Anthony Barr game where, you know, you put him on, you put him on the line a little bit more so to um, more just be a, a guy that kind of protects those edges against um, guys like James White. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you can't, when you face uh, quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those kind of guys is, you know, they've seen most of the blitzes that they're going to see and you really can't fool them. So I think it's going to be a pretty similar game plan as far as, you know, maybe hang back in coverage and um, bring a guy or, guy or two back there. So then uh, Tom Brady has less options as far as who's he going, you know, who he's going to find out and whatnot. Um, I, I still think that the, the Vikings front four is, is very good, probably one of the top in the league, but I, I'm not sure if that'll be enough. So you have to kind of pick and choose, you know, are you bringing a guy towards the line, you know, every so often, or are you, you know, you're, you know, hanging them back in coverage. I'd probably prefer, you know, if they do do something like that, Anthony Barr is on the line versus being in coverage. So um, it's 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 going to be a pretty masterful thing that Zimmer's going to have to put together. Um, I, I I don't imagine a lot of stunts. Um, I don't imagine, um, you know, uh, unique blitzes or whatnot. I I would just imagine that Zimmer is probably going to play um, a relatively clean clean game. I do think that uh, some of the keys, though, uh, Jaron Curse would probably be another guy that I would mention. He'd probably be a, an important, um, important player in this game. You know, um, obviously he's he's stepped into that big nickel role quite well, and I mean it is limited snaps, but um, I, I do think that that's uh, somewhat of the the side advantage you're going to get with um, having to face a guy like Rob Gronkowski. You know, he not very many players in the league that can match up against him um, athletically. But I mean, size-wise, you know, you have a guy like Jaron Curse that you know maybe you can 
you can utilize him a little bit more so in the past game. So uh, Anthony Barr, Jaron Kurz, those are two guys that I think are going to be key to a Viking victory. Okay, and JR, bringing it back around to you here. Um, obviously, you know, we, we've it's been discussed here kind of how the Vikings went about um, – you know, setting up their game plan to, to slow down Aaron Rodgers, the uh, the discipline in the rush lanes and, and the different things that they did there with the front four. Um, kind of going from a, a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers who wants to extend plays and, and beat you, you know, um, kind of off script. Uh, how what, what are the challenges, uh, the different sort of challenges that a, a quarterback like a Tom Brady will present for you? And then, you know, how might the Vikings, yeah, adjust the uh, the game plan? Um to, to, to deal with and account for those challenges of uh, the different style of quarterback play that we'll be dealing with? Yeah, so I think the game plan is going to be a polar opposite than what we saw last week. And I think you're going to have to blitz the crap out of Tom Brady. And I know that sounds crazy, but Matthew Collar wrote a great piece about this a couple of days ago. I'm going to show you a link in the show notes, Jason. And he was talking about how Brady's arm strength has deteriorated, and you can tell uh, this season. And Whenever he's pressured this year, his quarterback rating has dropped significantly. And when blitzes are able to get home, I think his quarterback rating drops all the way down to like 75 or 76, somewhere around there. So I think you're going to have to send a variety of different blitzes to Tom Brady. Now, that's putting a lot of stress on your secondary, but I think the Vikings still do have the personnel. Even if Xavier Rose is down, you're going to have to take some risk and so, show some trust in guys like J. Ron Curse and Houghton Hill and some of the younger guys back there. But when you're playing a guy like Tom Brady, you cannot just sit back there and let him sit in the pocket like an Aaron Rodgers because he's going to continue to pick you apart because he gets the ball out so quick. So you have to force him into some more quicker throws than what he's already demonstrating that he can make and try to confuse him by switching up the looks. Even though he has played and seen every single defensive look possible, you have to switch up those looks and try to send some pressure and disguise some things when you're blitzing him. Jared, with that, uh, if, you, if you don't mind, um, just with the fact that uh, obviously the pa- uh, not the Packers, but the Patriots have um, such skilled and quick playmakers, you know, do you still feel as if, you know, even with those blitzes that the Vikings might um, get caught, um, you know, on a play or two, you know, with a really, really big play because of the fact that, you know, they are trying to send, you know, a little bit more, um, pressure to get to Tom Brady, but he's able to find some of those um, those quicker outlets, which kind of puts the Vikings in a position to not be able to keep up. Yeah, and it's tough because your linebackers are going to have to play the best game of their seasons because James White, they're going to find a way to incorporate him in the passing game somehow, whether that's in the backfield or flexing him out wide. So Eric Kendrick and Anthony Barr are definitely going to have to come to play this game, but that's just some of the risk that you have to take when you're playing a guy like Tom Brady. You have to find a way to disguise those pressures, and even if that's leaving those guys in those man-to-man situations, you have to take those type of risks. Otherwise, he's just going to sit back and pick you apart if you just want to sit back and play zone coverage against him. That's just not the recipe of success or the recipe to have success against Tom Brady. So, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, they're going to be left on the island against Sonny Michelle and James White. You just have to have trust in those guys to be able to get the job done. So, so you know, with that said, you know, obviously the linebackers are key, but which of the uh, the Vikings players, just generally speaking, and uh, we'll go we'll go rapid fire uh, right down the line on this one here. Which Vikings defender are you most worried about being picked on in coverage as uh, as this game goes on? Just knowing how the how how savagely 
the other Patriots can kind of find a weakness and pick on it, JR? It's O'Neal. Uh, if Xavier Rose doesn't play, which I don't think he is, I think they're going to find a way to find him right away, just like the Packers did last week and they, when they ran the double move with Devontae Adams, but Aaron Rodgers overthrew him. I think they're going to find a way to scheme either either putting Rob Gronkowski, uh, excuse me, Gronk on the outside against him or Josh Gordon on the outside against him just to pick on him a little bit just because he is so young. Okay, Miles, how about you? Who are you worried about being uh, being the mark this week, getting picked on by the Patriots? Uh, just to be different, even though I said Holden Hill earlier, I'm going to say Eric Hendricks. I know he's played better as of late um, in coverage, but I just think trying to match him up downfield with uh, with running backs and tight ends, I think, could really be a recipe for disaster. I know uh, that's where I get – that's where I'm worried – um, just the the linebackers in general, I think Anthony Bark um, played well, but I mean we've seen teams find ways to like create mismatches to get him isolated one on one with uh, wide receivers and you know running backs like uh, Todd Gurley. So the just the, I'll say the linebackers in general because of Gronkowski and guys like James White. Okay, and Saxy Prince, bring us home. Who are you most worried about getting picked on in this game? You know, I, I think JR put, probably picked the the top guy. You know, I'll I'll maybe say uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe whoever they put, I, I don't I don't envision the Vikings being in base very often. But I guess if they found themselves in base, um, you know, Ben getting Eric Wilson, you know, they could just. Um, do what they did a couple of years, uh, what a lot of teams were doing a couple of years ago in which they were um, essentially just, um, you know, uh, playing, playing more um, quick offense in order to keep the Vikings in base if they were ever were in base. So I would say whoever that, um, you know, that, uh, that strong side linebacker is, um, or weak side linebacker, excuse me, to play that. And I could see the Vikings definitely being put in that position. Okay, and uh, I guess the final point that I wanted to ask you guys schematically about this one, and JR, I'll start with you. Um, Miles, Miles kind of said something that I, I was going to ask about there in, in terms of, you know, earlier in the season against good offenses, the Rams in particular, we saw them being able to kind of use their personnel to create those matchups. Since us really getting, you know, beat down in, in, in that game and really exploited, and Anthony Barr was, you know, uh, you kind of put that that memory of himself chasing players as they scored touchdown in their minds and, and kind of had Vikings fans really, really sour on him as a player. Um, those sorts of things haven't really happened as much. Uh, what have the Vikings changed defensively to stop being exploited in that manner that uh, that happened earlier in the season, especially given that we're going against a team that is uh, known to do similar things to try to find those matchups? I don't think they've changed anything. Honestly, um, I mean, they're playing a little bit more of a simpler defense because Zimmer's not bringing any more pressures than what he normally does. They're getting home with four, which I think his defense is predicated upon. They've done a hell of a job of. And when you're able to get home with four guys, just the four guys, four guys up front, it makes everything so much easier because you're not having to sacrifice another guy in coverage uh, because you're blitzing him to the quarterback. So. They haven't really switched anything up. Now, what's different about other offenses compared to the Rams offenses, they're not as versatile and they don't have as many guys or weapons on the perimeter 
as other teams, or excuse me, other teams don't have as many weapons or the same type of personnel that the Rams have. So they're not able to show one personnel on the field and then shift to a completely entire different set like we saw in that game. So the Vikings aren't really doing anything. They're doing a better job of generating pass rush up front with just four guys. And the offenses that they have played in the past few weeks just aren't as versatile or as complex as the Rams offense. Awesome. And Miles, you did make the point, I guess. Is there anything that uh, in terms of some of the things that you, that we did see in that Rams game that you would expect to see out of the Patriots? Or is it kind of like JR says that uh, with the Vikings starting to settle in on defense, you feel like they're going to be OK? Yeah, I think I think what JR said, um, they're OK. They're, they've gone back to some of the way that the things they used to do instead of trying to get cute and um, think they can play man um, across the board against some of these teams. But um no yeah to Jared's point I think that's that's exactly it I think they're uh they're doing a better job with it so I I'm not as worried about it but you know with the Patriots we know that they're they do a pretty good job of exploiting some of those kind of those some those sort of mismatches all right well there's one last question I want to ask for you guys not necessarily specific to uh you know this game necessarily but it's a it's an ongoing talking point um, that has gone on throughout the season. It was definitely a big co- topic of conversation heading into the Packers game. Um, so I want to get your perspectives on it. I want to get your thoughts. Um, Mike Zimmer, and I know that I've made that we've made you know points about him be- needing to be kind of the CEO of the team, things like that. But there's a a um, I guess we'll say a vocal segment of the Vikings fan base that feels that Mike Zimmer needs to get more involved with the offense of the team, and. Um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I have some. I mean, um, you know, generally speaking, you know, when you are reading about leadership and things like that, you know, you'll often be told you should lead from uh, from the places of your strength and you should, you know, I guess in a kind of way, stay in your lane. Um, you know, Steve Jobs would say things like, you know, hire good people and then get out of their way. And so it seemed as though, you know, Vikings fans were looking or, or kind of looking to have Mike Zimmer go against that sort of defense, um, that, that sort of your know, thought process. Um, so I wanted to get your your takes, your thoughts on this idea that that Mike Zimmer um, needed to become more actively involved in what was going on uh, on the offense of the team, given that that's not really his background, not really his strength, not really where he's he's made his name in the league, and kind of how we think that should look as uh, as the season kind of moves forward and we roll into the playoffs. I mean, I just I don't really see the value in that. Maybe just because of how advanced these offenses are and with Mike Zimmer basically starting from step one, learning offenses, I just don't see the value that he would bring to the table if he tries to learn certain offenses. And I mean, Zim's in his 60s, so he, all he wants to do is establish the run. If he does want to go more offense-oriented, he doesn't know much probably about what's going on from an offensive standpoint and what offenses are trying to execute. He looks at it from a defensive standpoint, so – with him looking at things from an offensive perspective, I just don't see the value that he would bring to the table. Now, if he wants to be more of a CEO, I've been all for that. And with George Edwards calling plays, the only evidence we have of him calling plays was against the Cowboys a couple of years ago, which I thought the defense played really well. But with Mike Zimmer, we know he's very hands-on. and He seems to be a bit of a control freak on that side of the ball, and he wants to run what he wants to run in certain situations. So, I don't think we'll ever see him being that total overseer or CEO of the Vikings. All right. And, and Miles, what are your thoughts? Um, you in your perfect world. Is Zim kind of more involved? Is Does he have more input, more saying in what we're doing, uh, you know, offensively on the team? I don't think so. Um, and we know 
like Jer said, he's not going to get to that point Like in terms of understanding it. I don't think it's something he needs to do to be a good coach, to be a good CEO. Um, I think what he's really trying to do is trying to do a better job of balancing his team and how he wants his team and the identity of his overall team to be. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he needs to take take that out of, that factor out of it, not to an extent. Like every team has their you know their overall identity, and I think I'm okay with him wanting to be. I'm not okay with him wanting to be conservative, but I'm okay with him wanting to be a little bit more ball control. But that doesn't mean it needs to be a run the ball 25, 30, 30 plus times a game. Um, and the way the and the way he wants to do it, the way he's seen it done in you know the Adrian Peterson era, the nineteen nineties, you know the old school mentality doesn't need to be that way to be, to be, to have ball control, to be, to be that aspect of an offense. So I think that's the disconnect, but um, yeah, I think that's, that's just where uh, Zim just needs to kind of, hopefully you keep a guy like John D. Filippo into another season and they can build that rapport in the off season. They can build that understanding of continuing to grow that offense so that there's a more of an understanding between the two. But um Right now, it doesn't seem that that's the case. Uh, we'll see it. We'll see how it goes on. But I think Zim needs to loosen the reins a little bit. All right. Well, uh, we lost Saxy Prince, which you know was to be expected. He did let us know before we started recording that he had some things he needed to do today. So uh, we'll just jump in. We'll get you know y'all's bold prediction, score prediction, and we will wrap this thing on up. So uh, Miles, kick us off here. Score oh, prediction, bold prediction. Oh, what do you think of him, man? Um. I'm gonna go twenty to sixteen. Uh, Patriots. I don't like going against the Vikings, but I just think it's a tough one. Um, I, but I also think it's gonna be a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, and I'm gonna go bold prediction. They hold Tom Brady under 150 passing yards. Oh my goodness! And still lose. <laughs> oh my goodness! And still, Lord have mercy. All right, so hold on, run, run, run that back for me one more time here. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, you know, just what's what, what's the, what are we going with on the score on this one? Twenty to sixteen, Patriots. Uh, bold prediction to hold Tom Brady under one hundred fifty points, one hundred fifty passing yards. Oh my, okay, but they still establish the run. That's what they're gonna do. Sony yep. Michelle. Oh yeah. Okay. All right, JR. You said, you said go bold, so I mean, hey, hey, I like it. I like it. JR, how about you, man? I hope, you, I hope the second part, of, I hope the bold prediction happens. I obviously hope the score outcome is different. Okay. Yeah, I don't feel good about this game at all. Um, just whenever my team is going against Tom Brady, I just don't feel good about it, especially on the road. And the last time we were in Foxborough, it did not go well. So, um, I'm going to go Patriots 24 to 20. And bold prediction. I actually think Dalvin Cook is going to have a good day, so he'll get his second career 100-yard game. Get this in here, Dalvin. Okay, 100. All right. Well, I guess I will be the, uh, the one who goes the other way with this because, as I've said earlier in the week on Twitter, I feel – good about this game i feel good about how we match up so i i'm, I'm gonna pull I, I, i'm going down for the vikings to, to pull the upset in this one on the road 
luckily not in prime time, but on the road to pull the upset. And I'm actually going Vikings 28, Patriots 22. And my bold prediction is Kirk Cousins puts up a better stat line than Tom Brady and puts himself back into the uh, MVP conversation that really shouldn't be happening. I mean, for Vikings fans, he'll be That's there. big coming from you. Yeah. I mean, he'll be there in Vikings Twitter. I mean, I think everywhere else people know it's Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes. But in Vikings Twitter, he'll get himself back into the, you know, MVP conversation after outdueling Aaron Rodgers and then Tom Brady back-to-back weeks. Yep, there it is. All right. Well, uh, that's it. That's all. We made it all the way to the end. I guess, JR, do you have anything upcoming that we should be aware of? Anything you want to plug before we uh, before we get on out of here? Yeah, so my first scouting report of the year is up on InsideThePyline.com. It's on Arizona State wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Make sure you go check that out. All right. And, of course, we will put a link to that in the show notes. And, uh, Miles, anything cooking? Anything we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'm going to start getting into um, some college stuff, too. So I'm I'm working on how I want to take the approach, but you know me, I'm going to probably look at probably some Vikings needs more okay. in terms of what they, what, what they'd be looking for in the off season for, from a draft perspective. So obviously wide receiver, obviously offensive line, stuff like that, but I'm just figuring out the format. All right. All right. Dalton Reisner or, uh, or nobody. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all right, listeners, as always, thanks for sticking with us. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on and recording. Uh, yeah, that's it. We made it to the end, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. <laughs>